Hello and welcome to Future Tech Chat. Every week on Future Chat we sit down to talk about science and technology, centering the discussion on a new and exciting topic in one of those two fields. My name is Robert Trell and I'm joined as usual by my cousin Mike. We're just a couple of tech enthusiasts who love to learn and talk about the latest and greatest science and tech developments. I hope you're excited to join us today while we talk about music. We're also fortunate to be joined today by our real live musician, Damien Brooms. <laughs> just a few of the topics we hope to cover this week are advances in concert technology, how music production and listening has changed over the years, and the possibility of recording a Billboard album in your basement anytime soon. Join us as we jump headlong into the future of technology. There's a lot to talk about today, so we'll get through as much as we can. Hey, Mike, how's it going? I'm doing great, Rob. It's great to have a, a special guest with us, too. I'm excited. It is. It's very nice. You guys are way too kind. <laughs> <laughs> Real you live musician. You this... and me and Nick are on. We're not as special as you are, so... Ah, uh, well, there's nothing special about me. Uh, trust me. Anyway. This, uh, this is the big time. This is it. This is going out to 700 Twitter followers. Wow. <clears throat> wow. We're about to blow up right now. Yeah, this exactly. Big deal. <laughs> so, uh, Damien, why don't we start? Why don't we tell us a bit about yourself? How you, how you've gotten the music game and wow. Okay. Um, you really, if you want the long, do you want the no, long I want version? The short, okay. The short version. <laughs> I uh, I fell in love with music actually um, listening to uh, the songs from The Lion King when I was quite young. Um, and started singing that way, and then sang in my church choir, so continue to sing and direct the choir. And in high school, took music um, and sang in various choirs, and went to university and started a band. And now I'm in that band. And that's like my main... Sons of Pluto is what it's called. Yeah. That's what's... Uh, <laughs> That's my main musical outlet now, other than um, choir directing at church. But yeah, sweet. Yeah. Uh, and so before we get into too deep into topics, uh, can you say just as a blanket statement, has technology helped you? Has it? Have you not really had any use of technology in your in making music over the years and in singing and finding music that kind of thing? <laughs> I'm. It's funny because I'm not the most tech-savvy person. I'm also not the least tech-savvy person, but, I'm, but uh, technology uh, has definitely helped me. Um, if we're talking about, like, live performing, uh, sometimes it complicates things, technology, yeah. but, uh, but if we're talking about just enjoying music or exploring music in general, uh, it definitely, definitely has helped me. But it's one of those things that I don't think you notice it until you actually have to, like, think about it, like... I, I never yeah. really noticed how much technology yeah. has an impact of my enjoyment of music uh, until that very moment that you just yeah. asked me. Well, that. that's, yeah. that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad to be here. Uh, so for, for me on the technology side of things, when we're talking about live shows, I think of things like, well, for one, the HD screens that you have usually flanking the performer. Mm. Uh, I think of things like the wireless mic packs and the monitors that they have now that basically are in your ear completely invisible. Mm -hmm. uh, sort of like, well, all the, the effects pedals and that kind of thing that go into actually making music sound the way it does. Pyrotechnics? Yes. Too. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've heard from everyone that like when Muse does their shows, like it's mind-blowing, the kind of stuff that they do. Like, it's a show. Like, that's and serious. I 
I actually just recently watched <clears throat> um, Q with Gian Gameshi when he had Muse on, and that's a very uh, deliberate thing that they do in their shows. Is they because their music is so sort of theatrical, mm-hmm. they also want their shows to be visually theatrical, and they have a close friend of theirs that they work very closely with who kind of coordinates all of that. But it's it's supposed to be an entire experience musically and visually. Um, it's a very deliberate thing, and and yeah, I think Muse is a great example. I mean, they they have the whole package when you go see them live. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see them live. Awesome. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, have you been to any concerts recently where, for example, you noticed that there was sort of th- things that you wouldn't expect that maybe like for me when I went to a concert this summer, um, the HD screens that they have set up that you're basically watching a a produced music video. Um, did you did you notice that in the recent concert you've been to? Maybe compared to something you did ten years ago. Uh, yeah. You know, I went to Backstreet Boys a couple of months ago, so that was pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, took me back to junior high. It was good times. Um, but the uh, yeah, you know, I I was familiar with the concept of having the screens off to the side so that you'd get you know a good view of the the production even if you're not front and center. Um, you know, we were second deck, so we had a pretty good view of the stage, but it, they were pretty small. So I did find myself watching the screen sometimes to see a bit more of the facial expressions or, or what the producers wanted us to focus on for the show. Um, so I, I thought that was good. Um, one of the things that I did notice, and it was more with the... Uh, what do you... The... Opener? Yeah, the opening act. Sorry, I was... Oh, yeah. the, Word, um, yeah. So it was more the opening act that it was a female pop singer. I can't remember her name, um, but it was very like, like you could tell it was lip synced, and then she did a couple songs where it was not lip synced, and I I enjoyed hearing both. Like the lip sync, she could do more of the choreography and the dancing, and the non lip sync, she was doing some Britney Spears covers. So that was kind of cool. Um, but okay, with was it just Britney Spears dubbed? <laughs> no, it was no, it was actually her. You could you could hear the breathiness of the actual voice, but when it was lip synced, there was like no breathiness at all because and she was like dancing everywhere. So obviously it was it was lip synced. But I think that was the main thing that I noticed was the lip synced aspect of it. Whereas with Backstreet Boys, they didn't do as much dancing, so I don't think many much if any of their stuff was lip synced, which is pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, it's, as far as comparing to other concerts, I can't think of too many I've been to. I've been to a couple like rock concert type things, but they they were like at Mac Hall and that kind of thing, so they didn't have like the Saddledome type production stage. It was just like a normal yeah, just concert. yeah, band on the stage kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I want to I want to mention uh, ask you a two part question, Damien. Okay. Because <clears throat> for, well, you are a musician, but you also just recently went to a concert that featured. Something technology that I don't think could have happened a few years ago. Um, Justin Timberlake has a stage that can move. Yeah. And I know Taylor Swift when I saw her, she did the same had this a similar thing. It probably yeah. wasn't the same, but yeah. um, does that do you find that kind of thing adds a lot to a show? Is it sort yeah. of Yeah? Yeah, it 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 totally did. Um, so Justin Timberlake has this front part of his stage that kind of comes up on uh, hydraulics, um, so it raises up, and then it, what it does is it's this, like, narrow catwalk um, <clears throat> that's kind of floating in the air, and he's running up 
and down it, running across. There's no, like, guardrail on the side, so he's just, like, running and dancing, and his backup singers and backup dancers are doing the same thing. And what it does is it lifts up, and then it goes over the crowd's heads and moves from the front to the back. Um, and I thought that that was so cool because at first I was like, what's going on? Like, his stage, he's getting higher. He's getting <laughs> higher into the... <laughs> and I was like, this is fantastic. And... Um, and then all of a sudden it started moving, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, this thing isn't going to go over the crowd, right? Like, that would just be too crazy. And what it did, though, was that as – because um, Becca, my girlfriend, and I were um, sort of at the sides of the of the uh, stadium. Um, and so what it did was as it came from front to back, it would come past us, and – we just like because he was higher up and we were kind of in the cheap-ish kind of seats. Yeah. Um, it it gave him a way to sort of interact with us more directly uh, because he would come up to the side and he would say hi and he would dance and we'd be like, oh my goodness, like he's right there. Yeah. Um, for such a long time during the show, he was kind of far away and here it seemed like he was a little bit more reachable and that was really cool. And then seeing it go to the back, like it. Yeah, it, it definitely added a whole other aspect to the uh, mm -hmm. to the show, and and I had never seen something quite like that before, sure. um, because you really got to know as an artist how to play the room, and like you have to make use of your space, yeah. and usually that's on the stage, like you try and cover as much of the stage as you can. But he took it to a whole other level by like covering as much of the stadium. Yeah, as well, it's can. all open space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was that was really really cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, was it so? Was it held up from underneath, or was it tied from above? It was. Um, or was it just floating with some kind of anti gravity that takes <laughs> you? So, so on either side, so on either side of the stage, there were just these um, pillars that came up, and I think they used hydraulics. So there was a base, and then pillars that would just kind of come up like this, and the stage was like that, okay. and it would just okay, raise cool. up, and then they'd move those base like there was a base. Uh, on either side of the crowd, right. and then they would just push it back from front to back. Cool. And that was that was really cool. Yeah, it was like a bridge. It was just like a right a big bridge. Yeah. So we also talked a bit on the side of being a performer. Uh, the experience, some of the experiences you've had now that technology is creeping into just the world in general. So when you're on stage performing, maybe talk a bit about how. Uh, Maybe to either both technology that you use and technology that your audience is using, how it affects your show. Um, so as I mentioned before, technology sometimes complicates things. I mean, in our band, we've had, um, and mind you, we're kind of a young band still, but we've we've had shows that went very very well, and we've had shows that did not go well at all. And sometimes the difference between those two things is technology. Um, if you have a sound person uh, that doesn't know what they're doing, then <clears throat> that completely messes with the mix of the sound. Everything is too loud or not loud enough, and you can't hear yourself, and then you cannot perform mm -hmm. as well as you could have um, <clears throat> if you could hear everybody. Uh, Sons of Pluto is used to rehearsing kind of in an enclosed space, and we don't use a lot of like speakers or plug in much or anything like that, and we can really hear each other very well. Um, when it's on stage, it's a completely different thing. The acoustics are different, and then you're using 
these monitors and speakers and everything, and 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 then the the crowd uh, is also loud and that kind of thing. So hearing yourself is very very important. And if you don't have a technician that knows what they're doing, then that can completely mess with the show. Because uh, if you can't hear yourself, you don't know where you're going wrong and that kind of thing. Um, so that's it. It can affect the quality of the performance for right. sure. Um, we've had other shows where the person definitely knows how to mix us um, and definitely knows what to do, and it was like the best show that we've had. Sure. And um, and then that way, when you don't need to worry about, oh, is, does this sound substandard? Like, can the crowd hear us properly? Because we can't hear us properly. Because that's the other thing is that. <clears throat> what you hear as the performer on the stage isn't necessarily what the crowd hears. Yeah. Um, so and it so, should be different. It it should be, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, as a performer, sometimes I get really really stressed out about like <clears throat> what I'm hearing, and then that can hinder my performance. Mm -hmm. Like I can't I can't let go of that worry and then kind of put more energy into what I'm doing. Um, sometimes it just makes me kind of trapped, and I try and figure it out as I'm playing, and, and that might make me seem a little bit more distracted yeah. or something like that. Um, in terms of what the audience is doing, uh, sometimes the audience is on their phone uh, <laughs> and not really paying much attention to us. Sometimes they're, they're recording us, and I've had people that I don't know at all record us, and that's always sort of a... That's always sort of a an ego boost because um, I like to think that they're not recording us because we're so terrible yeah. that they're going <laughs> to make fun of us, but um, I like to think that they're recording us because they enjoy what they see and they want to remember it and they want to maybe show it and share it with someone else. So when I see that in the crowd, that's always uh, very uplifting as a performer because when you're performing, you're very vulnerable. Uh, you're putting yourself out there, and when you see the crowd react that way, um, then it kind of gives you a, a little bit of a boost right. in your ego, which is, I'm not sure is a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> anyway. So, Mike, at this concert, did you notice anything? Any like, Well, obviously, there was a, everyone has a cell phone, but yeah. did you notice a lot of people on them taking pictures? or? Yeah, like everyone was recording. Like, because you, it's no. actually boys, right? Like, everyone there remember them from junior high. There were even some, like, junior high age kids there, like, listening to them today, and it's like, whoa, I can't believe there's actually kids that still listen to them. Obviously, probably because their parents, like, showed them the music, or their sister, or something, or their cousin, and, you know, they're they're into it now, so, yeah, you know, everyone was recording. I took a couple clips, but I found that it, I knew the quality, like, from way back there, that far away, wasn't going to be great. Like, I took it to remember it, but I wasn't on it the entire time, but, you know, they did a thing where, like, you know, everyone holds up their phones, so they're like, oh, everyone turn on, like, your little flashlight thing, and everyone was holding up their phones and, like, doing that. So that was kind of cool. And, um, you know, pe people recording themselves dancing and singing along to the music. It was just, everyone was just having a good time. And, yeah, you know, technology definitely, definitely played a big part in that. You know, people posting to Facebook saying, oh, App Backstreet Boys, whatever. Like, I did that. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that you're you're interacting with, with the people you know through technology in that moment. You don't have to take a picture, get it developed, and two weeks later say, oh yeah, I was at this concert. You're taking a picture of you right there, right now, saying this is what I'm doing. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's changed uh, with music, where it's, it's instantaneous now, and, and right. it's, it's a shared experience. Would you say that you, as a performer, obviously, you want people to be 
talking about you. Yeah. And with technology, you want people to be talking about you while they're experiencing you. Yeah. But there's also a downside to that. Um, in that they're distracted and they're like, you can see a sea of shining faces because their faces are all lit up by the screen. <laughs> that that takes something away from your ability to perform. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the energy that the performer gets from the audience is imperative to the energy that the performer gives back to the audience. It's a, it's a very it's a two way street, and so. I mean, like I said before, it's kind of it's kind of uplifting to know that they're enjoying themselves enough to want to share it and remember it later. Um, but also, if they're distracted, then at the same time, you're like, why aren't they actually like paying attention to like real live me right now? Like, um, I when I when I go to when I go to concerts, I don't pull out my phone. Like, um, I might try and take like a a photo, but it always ends up like <laughs> always ends up terrible. Like cell phones yeah. <laughs> aren't yeah. good. So, um, so recently, I've just my phone is away, and I'm I'm paying close attention to what's going on. And that might be because as a performer, I'm actually when I go to a concert, like I I actually like take mental notes on mm. how the big boys do it, you know. Um, so, but it is it is distracting to see that the audience is distracted, like. Um, if they're not paying attention to you and they're not like in that moment at that time, um, then you might start to second guess yourself at the same time and then that can affect your playing. And I always found it really weird to see to look around and see people um, watching a performance through a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when you can just look yeah. up and, and just look at it and yeah. it's in the best quality ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're watching it on this little screen instead. Yeah. And, and I always found that that's really, really funny yeah. um, because there's something right in front of you and you're not really experiencing it. You're experiencing it in the way that you will a day from now yeah. um, as opposed to yeah. the moment right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's... It's it's definitely distracting because as when you're an audience, you need to give the performer your energy and your <clears throat> applause and your and your approval so that they can continue to give you back what they have to offer. It's a, it's a relationship when you go see a show for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before we move to music specifically and sort of the more music on the internet and um, actual fully produced music that's there, I wanted to just go back to one more thing about concerts. Uh, you were mentioning that you've had experiences with really, really good sound guys and maybe less attentive or bad sound guys. Um, I know that one of your best experiences with a sound guy was a guy that literally had his mixer hooked up, to, his digital mixer hooked up to an iPad and was able yeah. to go and literally stand right next to you and hear what's going on and adjust levels as he's there. And that ended up being a really good experience for you guys. Um, and I, I, yeah, so... That is something that I'm assuming almost all professional studios will have set up in one way or another now is just a guy who's able to maybe be in the booth before they start actually recording or or even while it's live, just have it, have it digitally as opposed to having this whole thing of switches where you're having to manually move everything around. Getting live feedback while you're adjusting dials digitally just seems like it's a really great way and, and your experience reflected that. Yeah, it, it totally did. And, I mean, I was fascinated when I saw that. Yeah. Um, 
because yeah, the 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 whole notion of uh, of live music and and mixing live music and recording music has changed so much in such a short period of of time, and um, I think that that's a really really handy thing to have. It gives you, I feel, more control, um, and and you can and you can mix things properly on the fly. Yeah. Well, um, the the important thing, the important difference that I've seen between doing that and having a guy in the the booth or whatever wherever it is off to the side is that he's saying, is it good? Is it is the le- are the levels good? Whereas the guy with the iPad was able to stand on the stage and, and, and hear uh, that it yeah. was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's that's definitely really, really handy to have uh, because it, it, it kind of puts him or her into the performer's space and can, and they can see things from that perspective and hear things from that perspective as opposed to being at the back of the room. <clears throat> um because like I said earlier, I'm not the most tech savvy, especially when we're talking about like music technology yeah. and and live music technology. So if I tell them, oh, could you have a little bit more of the vocals or could you have, like I might not know what's best. Right. Like I know what I like to hear, but it might not be what's best or it might not be attainable. But that person, um, I assume, would know yeah. <laughs> what the right, sound yeah. is and, and how to mix everything properly. So for them to be up on the stage and and to experience it firsthand, um, then we might actually get a better sound out yeah. of the show because they it's a very knowledgeable ear that is applying itself to right um, to that situation. So um, yeah, I <clears throat> like you said, that that was one of the, the best shows that we've done and I think he was just really on point. Like he he was he was in tune to our needs and he was paying attention, which yeah. a sound person should do <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> We've had sound people that did not pay attention and I had to call out to them from the stage and they still didn't hear yeah. me. <laughs> anyway, yeah. That was very, very cool. Yeah. It was very cool, yeah. <laughs> so I want to move now to the the actual produced music sort of thing. And Mike, why don't you start us off by describing how you listen to music. Where and how, like what device you use and what source you get it from. Okay. Um, well, I usually, I tend to buy my music. If I do buy music, it's often, if not always, a uh, compact disc. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, for, for our younger viewers, you might not know what that is, but uh, yeah, no, it's... I'm, I guess, I guess you could say I, I just hold to my habits of just going to HMV and picking up a couple a couple yeah. CDs and I wanted know, to say a few years ago you <laughs> mailed me a CD and that I, was I, I would still mail you CDs. I know. That's like the <laughs> oldest sentence I've ever yeah. heard in my life. You snail mailed me a yeah. CD. To be fair, it was sent directly to you from Amazon, but still. True. But um, which okay. you know. Yeah. They also, yeah, they Amazon now gives you a digital copy when you buy. I think it's even cheaper if you get a digital copy with it. Um, but so yeah, so usually I'll, I'll usually buy buy the music itself. I guess I see that as an alternative to piracy um, in the sense of supporting the artist. But then I read somewhere that the artist doesn't actually see a ton, if any, of the sales of the actual hard copy of the album. So that kind of 
changed my perspective a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I like the the idea of having something material in my hand um, to have. Um, and if I do listen to music, it will be you know in the car. That's pretty much when I I listen to music. You know, at work I don't listen to music, and on the bus I'm usually reading. Um, so yeah, if I listen to music, it's in the car, and often it's the radio, um, unless I have a CD handy to listen to. Um, but you know, Maria will download music through iTunes. Um, she just regularly buys iTunes credit and uses that, so you know she's enjoyed doing that, and it's readily available, and you can buy it by song and that kind of thing. So that's pretty convenient too. But yeah, that's that's pretty much how how we handle our music acquisition. So yours is. Um... You you just listen to it through your phone through Google Music or how do you do it? I tried the Google Music trial um, with the all access and I did that for a couple days, but you know I don't I just haven't gotten into the habit of of hooking my phone up and listening to it through the car. Um, I haven't actually uploaded my music onto a soft copy to be accessible by my phone. That's kind of on my to do list. Um, they can but, do it automatically now. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not from a CD to the to the yeah. cloud. What do you mean no, automatically? Google. Yeah, Google Music. Right. Not all access part, but just no, I know. But I actually have to upload it to Google Music first. That's yeah. the to do part. That's the first thing I'm doing yeah. Monday when I get unlimited internet is yeah. uploading my. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's that's kind of yeah. the dream is to have all my media accessible from wherever I am on whatever device. So. Sweet. Yeah. Um, I listen to music um, primarily at work when I'm working. I <clears throat> I used to bring my iPod um, and listen to my iPod um, with with headphones, and um, but now I actually use Google Music, and uh, um, I like that it well it's supposed to sync with your yeah. iTunes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> My Google Music didn't sync with my iTunes completely, and so uh, I have some newer albums that I've downloaded that uh, that aren't on Google Music, so I can't listen to them while I'm at work. And that's on my to-do list is try and figure out <clears throat> why it's not syncing, why those songs haven't been added. So I listen to uh, my music primarily at work while I'm working through Google Music, and I and I love it because you can access it anywhere, and it's and it's just right there, and I love. I love the interface. I mean, I love the way that they've they've organized it for you, and and I like the look of it. Everything. Um, other than that, um, I listen to music in my car, and I've got my iPod hooked up to my car, which I think is such a great thing that's happened in the last yeah. few years. Oh, yeah. Is like having because not only it's not only that I have an auxiliary cable that I put into my iPod, and then I have to control my iPod from my iPod, I can now control my iPod from my steering wheel as mm -hmm. I'm driving, and I think that that is the coolest thing ever. Like yeah. that was like one of the biggest reasons yeah. that I bought the, the car that I bought <laughs> <laughs> because I, I thought it was so cool. Um, so that's that's very very handy to have, um, and I think music is such a big part of people's lives that you would want to have access to it that easily in your in your car. Um, so my iPod is now kind of semi-permanently fixed to my car, um, uh, and it kind of stays there. Um, I don't use my phone for music right, a lot, uh, and I don't know what it is. I think that somehow I'm thinking that a phone is for 
for phone calls. For phone calls, <laughs> and an iPod is for music, and I don't yeah. cross the two. Right. Um, I I do have Google Music on my on my phone, and I could access my yeah. songs from there, but um, I just don't. It's just such a foreign concept. Yeah. It's kind of an uncomfortable thing for me to use my phone for music. <laughs> I don't really do that. Um, and and I of course like when I'm at home, let's say I'm cleaning. Uh, my apartment or something like that, I'll put on a vinyl record, yeah. um, which I really love. Um, so those are kind of the the way. So at work through Google Music, in my car via my iPod connected to my car, and uh, and in my apartment, I just put yeah. on a record. So one of the interesting things, one of the first things that really made me realize that you were a big music fan is the fact that you actually have an electronic record player, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. And uh, so you buy records all the time. Well, yeah. if you see a record you like, you'll buy it on vinyl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's the, it's the best. Because, um, I mean, vinyl records kind of went out of style for a bit there. But then, and I mean, it might be the slight hipster in me that... <laughs> it definitely is, yeah. <laughs> you got, you're wearing a fedora, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's something, there's something a little bit hipster. I like to think that I straddle the line on on being hipster. But I grew up, um, I grew up with my dad playing records. Like when he was working around the house, uh, he would throw a record on, or he'd listen to um, an oldies station. And so I grew up with a lot of like classic rock and like Motown and that kind of thing. And so. I love that kind of music, and for me, that kind of music is synonymous with having an actual vinyl record. Um, and now, I think it's just the coolest thing that new artists are putting out new albums on vinyl, because vinyl has now seen this resurgence of popularity. And there's just something so magical about getting yeah, a vinyl record. I mean, Mike, it's like what you said, where you have something tangible, something in your hand, uh, you go to HMV and you buy a CD, but for me, like that vinyl, there's just something so nostalgic about it that I love, and it's such a beautiful technology, I think, and um, and so yeah, I've kind of married the old and the new yeah. by having an electronic yeah. uh, record player, um, and you can convert uh, you can convert it into MP3 if you want sure. and play it on your computer, which I've never done. Um, <laughs> I'd be interested in knowing how to do that, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it's so cool because there's a certain amount of care that comes with, like, my dad taught me how to handle vinyl properly yeah. and and how to listen to it, and I just think there's just such a warmth to the sound also. Um, yeah, so call me hipster yeah. if you want, well, but I, I, I love music, and, and I think that is precisely why I love yeah. vinyl. There's a couple different things about vinyl records that... I can see why they're coming back. Like, first of all, you you can go into music stores, like sort of mom and pop music stores, yeah. or you can go to garage sales or yard sales and find old records and th really good records that you maybe haven't heard in a while. And it seem it, it's less it seems less pretentious to want to buy and listen to records than maybe some of the other sort of hipstery things. <laughs> I don't, maybe that's just me. But uh, there's also a quality to vinyl. Like it, it, it does. It, they've they've looked into the science of why vinyl is liked as much as it is. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of a roundness, and the fact that it's it's not necessarily perfect after you've if it's well worn record, you get the the static. And there there are artists today that 
add that feel to, to their records. That, yeah, yeah. 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 The, I mean, the records well, scratch. The low, the lo-fi, the lo-fi quality to the records too. Yeah, that they yeah. that they do. Yeah. And that's what I like. That static is what I what I love. Like when you put on when you put the needle to the record, and you have that few seconds of that sound. Um, it's so cool because for me, it's like. It's like that static is an indication that music is about to happen. Yeah. And so I'm waiting for it, and it just kind of gets me, you know, it's like when you smell really good food and you start yeah. to salivate. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what it's like for me. Another example, this is the main example that I have to that, is when you hear the dial-up sound, you know internet is coming. <laughs> <laughs> but a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't as, a, as soothing of a sound. No, it's more painful and... <laughs> no. Although there, there are a couple of podcasts and web series that I watch or listen to that use that as their intro music. Oh, really? Dial-up sound, yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> but I, I think, just going back to what you said before, I think getting vinyl is um, the most accessible hipster-ish thing yeah. that you could do. I think yeah. everybody, not everybody, I don't want to be, yeah. be a generalist, yeah. but, but I think a lot of people love vinyl, and a lot of people can ex- they can appreciate if someone loves vinyl. It's not like I'm saying like I'm only exclusively listening yeah, to yeah. things on vinyl because I love listening to my iPod as I mentioned before, but yeah, it's just something so cool about just going and searching and I get a lot of my vinyl from the Great Glee garage sale. Yeah. Um so every year like that is my sole purpose when I go to the garage sale is getting vinyl. Um you even traded vinyl for vinyl. I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did trade vinyl for vinyl. I forgot about that. How did you remember that? Yeah, I had I had a duplicate, yeah. so I traded one for the other. Um, yeah, it's 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 so great. And my dad had so much vinyl that he gave away. And had he known that it was going to be yeah. as cool as it is now, um, I think he's kind of kicking himself a little bit. But, uh, I've rated my dad's vinyl and everything. It. it yeah, and I, I'm working on having, like, a massive vinyl collection. Sure. That's my goal one day. Um, <laughs> old and new songs. Yeah, so, last question before we move on. What is your favorite record on vinyl? Like, to, what, What's your, like, go-to to play when you're at home, for example, cleaning? My go-to is... Um, is it, I have a compilation album of Motown's greatest hits. Okay. Um, that's an original. It's not remastered or it's not new or anything. It's just in really great shape. And I got that. I'm not sure if I got that from my dad or from Garage Sale, but it has so many of those great songs from that era, um, from Stevie Wonder, from the Jackson Five, from the Supremes, Marvin Gaye. Like, it has so many of those songs, and you can sing along and dance to every single one yeah. of those songs. Like everybody knows those songs. So I I put that on, and I think. I think it's two records, and there's an A side and a B side to both. Nice. Um, so you have four sides of just hits from Motown. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that is my... But I've, I've got stuff from Bon Jovi. I've got stuff from Mumford & Sons, Arcade Fire. Like, I've got that's new cool. stuff and old stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, but that's my go-to. Well, yeah, there are also services that will put any record on vinyl. Yeah. And I and I looked into that briefly. Um, I think I wanted to get. I couldn't find Continuum by John Mayer yeah. on vinyl, and I wanted to get that done. And I don't know why I didn't get that done. But I went to HMV, and they were very helpful. They said like, you just send us the file, and we'll send it away to be made on vinyl, and we'll let you know when That's it's really ready. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so for anybody out there, HMV can do that for you, which is a really cool service. Yeah. I think. yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I still actually, that just reminded me, I still actually might get Continuum. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> that is a good album. Yeah. So I'll mention, because I've talked about this so many times, I'll just mention that I use, I'm, I have a lot of iDevices, and so I use iTunes Match, which gives me access to basically my entire library anywhere, like we talked about with Google Music, for $28 a year. Which I mean that I'm I've, I just renewed in April for my second year and I'm I don't see any end to that, but it's it's been really good. Hmm. Um, we don't need to dwell on that because that's that's I, I, that's how I listen to it everywhere. Um, it uses a lot of internet and that's probably one of the reasons why my Fido bill or my Fido data use is like 15 gigabytes a month. Oh um, <laughs> but but I can't I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I I love being able to I have thousands, tens of thousands of songs on iTunes, and being able to play any of them at any time is really great. Mm-hmm. For example, we went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. and I I had Ooh Child stuck in my head for, <laughs> for hours, like all through the night, and I woke up, and I put it on, and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Actually, just a little bit of a tangent. Guardians of the Galaxy has such a great soundtrack, yeah. because... Peter Quill's character is kind of stuck in the 80s in terms of songs because he has this mixtape. And so the soundtrack for that for that movie is just like hit it's after so hit, like oldie after oldie. <laughs> and it's so funny to see in such like a new uh, space age Marvel movie yeah. that just came out. It's just like these classic hits. Well, and he's playing it through either a Walkman or on a tape deck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's just very retro. It's 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 really, really funny to see the 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 uh, combination of retro and just, like, technology beyond our yeah. imagination as it stands right <laughs> now. Um, that's really, really funny. Yeah, if you put that in the cloud, a major plot point would have been avoided. <laughs> uh, so that brings me to an interesting thing I wanted to talk about, and that's uh, the difference between... And I know that sort of our the older-ish generation, not teenagers, grew up with albums, and so... I, for example, listen all the way through. If I if I put an album on, I want to listen to the whole thing. I don't want to shuffle. I don't want mm-hmm. to mess with anything because I like the way the songs transition from one to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a huge market for just buying a single song. And I think that you miss out on a lot of what the artist wanted to, to get across, and you miss out on uh, the songs that don't make it to the radio necessarily. Uh, so I don't know. What do you What do you think, Mike? Do you listen to albums? Do you listen to singles? Is it kind of depending on your mood? Uh, does well, whatever the radio plays sometimes? Like, how do you? If I have a CD in, I'll listen to the CD straight through. Um, because yeah, I agree with you. I think it tells a story. I think it has a flow to it that the artist intended. You know, I picked up Chaos's uh, latest album, and you know, it's a two part two part album, and you know, it's it's really good. And if you listen to CDs one after another, like you you see a distinct transition between the two. Right. And you know, there's distinct flavors, and each song like tells its own story. Like it's it's really really well laid out, I think. Um, and I hadn't done that in a while, so it was it was really good for me to to be able to do that again. So that was cool. Um, but you know, when like Maria's the exact opposite. Like she she's a kind to like change a song like a minute and a half in, and like what are you doing? Like oh, it's like the worst. It's like just <laughs> let it finish. Like yeah. Oh, <laughs> Do you want yeah. to talk about Jan Arden's rant against this Calgary radio station? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw heard about that, Damien, but there's a radio station here in Calgary that they're I haven't heard it for myself, but 
apparently they're starting to play so only half the song. What? To, to play twice as many songs per they're, album. They're literally cutting the song halfway through. And then going yeah, that doesn't yeah, count. No, That's, no, I know. Yeah. So Jan Arden has she, something to she say about She's like, boycott it and don't, like, she, don't, she's like, don't she's play like, my music. Yeah, she's like, don't play my music. No one should be listening to this. This is ridiculous. Like, it's modifying the artist's intent and all this kind of stuff. And I, I don't know who decided to, to have that. That's idea. that's a complete but, abomination. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have no idea. But. Why would the artists take time to write an entire song and record an yeah. entire song if it wasn't intended to be played in yeah. its entirety. Yeah. yeah. I even crazy. hate I even hate when they when they talk in the intro or when they fade it fade out. it out. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. I want to listen to the whole thing all the way through and that Yeah. I even want to listen to the like the white noise that comes after yeah. this. <laughs> Maybe like 2 seconds to just kind of like sit in it. Yeah. Like what I just heard and really kind of like <laughs> steep in it. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, That's, so uh, what were we talking about before? Albums versus singles. Oh right, yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's skip and yeah, it, like uh, around on, a, on an iPod. Yeah, so so yeah, usually it's yeah, she'll skip through the songs or whatever. Or just she listens to an album, just skip, skip, skip to the song that she wants. I'm like, just let it play, like. But you know, the radio is its own thing. It plays whatever it wants to, and plays the same song twice in an hour, and it's. It'll play the first half and then the second half. Later. First half and the second half later, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. You know, I, I, I prefer to listen to a, f- a full album straight through, and at definitely the full song, but if not, the full album if I can. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Damien? I definitely love to listen to the full album. There there are albums that I have that um, I might, maybe if I'm driving, I might, it might pop in my head because there's a certain song on that album that I want to listen to, but I'll still just start the album at the beginning and play it until I get to that song that I thought of, listen to that, and then even go further than that. Like, I, It's like what you said. I think that the artists, <clears throat> not all artists, um, yeah. certain artists <laughs> have an intent to, to tell a story through their album. I think the Beatles were very great with this with Sgt. Pepper's. Like, they... They that was the first sort of like concept album, and there are a lot of concept albums out there. There are a lot of albums that show the same themes throughout the song, and they tell um, stories, and they even use the same characters throughout the different songs. And so, to just kind of go in and listen to what you want, um, kind of I think undermines the artists' um, <clears throat> their efforts to to kind of give you the album as a complete package and and give you the album as a complete story. I mean, you mm-hmm. nobody would really, like, f- you know, skip through a movie for all... Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you, the, the movie tells the story, and you kind of have to watch the movie from beginning to end in, in order to get, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole story. Um, I do think that there are artists, especially pop mm-hmm. artists, that they record music um, exclusively almost in single format, where yeah. they're yeah. just kind of churning out these hits, and... It might be kind of offensive to say, but they're just trying to, I think, just get as much money as they possibly yep. could by just doing hit after hit after hit. Um, and they record it with the sole purpose of doing that. But a lot of artists, um, um, and I feel like artists with a little bit more integrity artistically, yep. they they think about it on a grander scale. They think about the album as a complete piece uh, rather than this song, this song, this song. Obviously, you have songs on your album that you think are going to be radio friendly, yeah. um, but um, but still, the album comes as a 
complete package. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely tell, like, when an artist wrote a song, like, to be played in a club. Like, it's literally about being in a club. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, yeah, like, those, yeah, they're not going to around that album, and that's their prerogative, and that's what they do. But, yeah, like you said, I think you, you, you get to appreciate the ones that actually put the time into putting an album together and put and in some thought behind it. With pop songs, like, there's just this mathematical mm-hmm. thing to yeah, pop songs, right? Yeah, it's very formulaic. It is very formulaic. I, I mean, and obviously they know what they're doing because you can listen to a Katy Perry song that's going to be stuck in your head for the rest <laughs> of the day. Like, they know what they're doing. It's like, it's they, they do have this formula that they're applying to pop songs in order to keep it in our heads, in order to, like, have us tap our toes and nod our head because it's it's very catchy. And I think that that's a very deliberate thing. Like they're not doing it by accident. They're they're doing it to make more money, um, so that we can identify with the song more. Um, it's it's very interesting. But I like albums where songs go into each other, um, like they transition into each other. Uh, Coldplay does that very well. Mm-hmm. Does that very well on Babel. Um, and and where elements of other songs come in to yeah. a later song. Uh, the mm-hmm. Beatles did that very well, yeah. too. Um, I think that that's just so cool because it just gives this cohesiveness to the album and you can you can respect it as a, as a piece of art rather than um, just kind of cheap ways of getting money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another um, group that does that very well is Marianas Trench. Mm. Uh, if you listen to their albums all the way through, they... The first one, not so much, but the last two, then they were concept albums. And it's literally, if you listen to them in a row with gapless playbacks, there's no... Mm -hmm. The the melody leads directly into the other one. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that. That gives me, like, the best feeling. I was thinking about it, and I have goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) That's why, in in our recent shows, we've written... Sons of Pluto wrote a couple of songs that go back to back into each other. And that was from me wanting to simulate that whole feeling that I get um, and kind of like have the audience experience that feeling where a yeah. song just goes right yeah. into another. And it also, in oh, terms man, it's of, not over. Yeah. It's <laughs> not over yet. It also, in terms of live performing, um, it gives this flow to the performance so that there's no downtime and that momentum that you build up isn't lost. Um, and so we have two songs that go back to back right into each other so that people can continue to have a good time and, and we can continue to build that momentum and that energy that we've gained throughout the first song. Because the first song is a very high energy type of song, um, kind of like a pop rock kind of song, and then go into like a blues rock kind of song. And we just find that <clears throat> it kind of builds the energy throughout. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I was just I was just about to say like I've I've actually heard, like thought to myself like wow this is a really long song and I look at it and it's like the next song and I'm yeah, like whoa yeah. crazy like, like it, you don't even notice it change like into yeah. a new song so it's cool and that happens for sure. Another really great recent example is JT Justin Timberlake the yeah. 2020 experience all the songs blend really well with one another. They really do yeah it's really great Cabaret into TK <laughs> yes <Yeah. is> really <laughs> awesome I love that. Um, and also <clears throat> on Abbey Road by the Beatles, the Abbey Road medley, they have like four or five songs that go completely into each other. Like you can only listen to those songs 
as a unit. Like you, it, it would kind of be weird to kind of splice it and listen to them individually. I mean, that that medley goes. It's a medley for a reason. It goes right into each other, yeah. and then, um, yeah. So I think I think that's really really cool because it shows that the artists really put time and thought into what they were doing, um, and that it shows that they actually. It, it it is an art. Like it's yeah. not they're not just doing it to do it. Like they actually put time and they're interpreting their feelings and their thoughts and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's very cool. I uh on that note I wanted to talk I heard uh on a podcast last week <clears throat> about Paul McCartney recording Live and Let Die and how he he was asked to do the song for a James Bond movie and yeah. he basically wrote it, he he just it spilled onto the page in like an hour or two. And when he finished, apparently, he, he was just sitting there wondering how long he should wait to tell them that he was done. <laughs> I could probably tweak it a bit, but it's done. <laughs> That's funny. And, but that doesn't necessarily mean you don't put a lot of effort into yeah, things no. because that kind of stuff, that kind of thing does happen. A melody will jump in your head and lyrics and you'll just, yeah. it'll be done. Hmm. But yeah, it's interesting that... It doesn't have to happen slowly. It can no, happen. and Live and Let Die is such an epic song. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Paul McCartney twice now live, and live, that song is ridiculous. Like, talk about pyrotechnics. Like, <laughs> that song's crazy, and then, like, they were, like, the first time I saw him it was uh, at the ACC in Toronto, and um, there were fireworks indoors. And oh, wow. The first time I ever saw yeah. fireworks indoors, and I can't believe it. Yeah, but I, personally, as, as a... I don't want to sound pretentious, but as a songwriter, I have written songs that took me five minutes. Like, there's a song that we do called The Storm. <clears throat> That's a great song. <laughs> like, that, it, it really <laughs> is. And and that song <laughs> took me five minutes to write. Um, and there are other songs that take a lot more time. There are songs that I've been working on for literally years, and I haven't decided anything on it yet. And, and for me as a songwriter, I... I feel like the song is supposed to like reveal itself to me rather than me forcing the song. So um, I'm just waiting on that moment of inspiration or that moment of clarity. But um, yeah, songs take you either five minutes or or years to write. Yeah. And sometimes the ones that take five minutes are really great. Yeah. And the ones that take years to write are kind of like, <laughs> nah. <you know? laughs> yeah. So there's no real process or formula to it. Yeah. So, I think, unless there's something that either of you really want to talk about, I think we should end having a little discussion about music piracy. Because it's a really, really contentious topic, and there's been talk that sort of streaming music will make it less desirable, but it's it's a big deal. And, and in terms of giving artists money for their work, it's it's kind of... I mean, it's just, it's in general, it's just really bad to, like, you're depriving these musicians of of compensation for something they put all this energy into. And maybe less so when we're talking about pop artists who are in it to make money. They've been found by these producers, and someone else writes the lyrics, and they, they perform them, and then they're auto-tuned. But there are artists that are sitting there writing out their lyrics and putting together melodies themselves and then performing them. Um... What do you guys think about the sort of there? There's been an argument that's been made for uh, that artists shouldn't really pay to have music 
sold. Like they shouldn't sell their music. They should sell the experience and concerts and merchandise and all that. Uh, even Childish Gambino, when he put out his last album, he said, I don't care. I, I want everyone to listen to the music and then come to the concert. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to make money off of the, the produced music. I want people to come and see me sh see my show. It'll make him more money, and it gets his name out there more. That album is literally called Because the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very deliberate yeah. choice for him to well, be fine with it being pirated yeah. and being yeah. all over the Internet. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and Radiohead a couple of years ago, with their In Rainbows, they made ways with the, I think it was a pay-what-you-can model for their album. Um, I don't know if it was a minimum five bucks or if it was free or you could pay whatever you want. I can't remember exactly, but I think it was free yeah. if you wanted it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, well, Radiohead has no trouble selling out their shows, so they don't care. Um, and I think it's like what you said, like it's it's an advertising marketing expense putting an album out, I think, and you, you write those songs to be played at a show. And that's what that's what artists uh, make money on these days, I think. And um, Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with you that. I think... It definitely helps the artists get the the advertising and the their name out there, and ideally draw more people to their shows for sure. Yeah. And there, well, the, the argument has also been made that uh, think like places like torrent websites that allow allow you to download a high quality version of of whatever you want. Uh, there are marketing agencies for record companies that will go out and look at where the music is being downloaded and make sure to hit those cities on a tour or at least go near there so that they they are targeting their audience specifically where they are. They know that people that they get that album. First of all, I mean they're they're probably feeling guilty about it. They're not necessarily doing it because they they have all this money but they also just want to steal music. Yeah. It's that they they want to support this artist and they want to listen to their music. Uh, and so allowing giving them that opportunity either buy merchandise or, or come to their show or both gives them that chance to support the artist but in a more tangible way and in a way that's more helpful to the artist. If they're making they're probably making a lot more money on a, on a concert than they would selling a million digital downloads. Yeah. How do you feel uh, Damien about trying to make music? I mean, you guys are trying to put out an album. <laughs> mm -hmm. And how do you feel about coming into this ecosystem where everyone's saying, "Oh man, musicians make no money on digital." Sales like well, I mean, not too long ago we talked about the fact that uh, musicians don't really see a lot of the right. They don't sales, see it anyways. Right? Yeah, mm -hmm. they don't. They don't see it. So what we're really doing when when people pirate music is probably like taking the money away from these faceless record companies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if we if if we if we uh, pirate the music, it's yeah, it's taking it's taking money out of the record company's pocket more so than the musician because the musician doesn't really see a lot. Um, I think it's a very cool thing, and I've actually wondered about it. Um, these marketing companies that kind of research where the music is yeah. being downloaded. I think that's such a great way to, if the record companies or the artist is feeling a little underappreciated, that's such a great way to to do it because then you know when you go. There and they're using they're using that disadvantage, I guess, to their advantage because yeah. then you know where to go and 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 who to play to. And I've often <clears throat> wondered, like, when artists choose their set list, 
if they take that into account, like yeah. what songs hmm. or what albums are they downloading most in this area? Because they might change their encore or their or their show closer based on where they are. If they're right. in if they're in Salt Lake City versus Las Vegas, like they depending on where they are, they might change it. Hmm. Um, I don't I don't think that uh, I think that pirating music is something that you can't stop. Yeah. Um, and I think. Uh, that it's yeah it's gonna happen anyway um, but the real for me the real exchange happens when I pay for that show and I yeah. go and I see that show and the artist is right in front of me and I'm experiencing that music um, live that's that's when it's really rewarding for me I for smaller more independent artists um, I I will buy their album mm-hmm. Um, I will pay for their album for for artists that might be a little bit more established or um, something like that. Like I might not pay for the album. I might just download it or get a torrent or something like that. Um, but it all depends. Um, also, if I really, really, really love the album and yeah. like respect the album, I will pay for it out of respect for the artist. But um, yeah, I, I I recently read an article actually though that. Just and I don't know how how reliable the source was, but <laughs> it, listed, it listed what certain artists make on one show. Yeah, and something like Lady Gaga was like 1.9 million on one show. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift was like two point something, and Coldplay was like 2.2, and and it listed all all of these figures for these artists and what they make on one show in one evening. Sons of Pluto can barely make one dollar <laughs> on one show. Yeah. But like so that reading that article, um, I just I was kind of like, oh well they're probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. okay. I the, think they're the big artists are fine. Yeah, the big yeah. artists are fine. The the not so big artists, um, they might very well rely on that on those album sales to yeah. To get them where they want to be, but um, for for Sons of Pluto, if I can use us as a, an example, we want to record an EP or an album with the sole purpose of actually giving it away. Um, we're trying to um, fund our album, uh, and so that we can record it. Um, and other than that, we're not really trying to make money off of this album. We've been around for a few years, and we've had so many people help us out. And so many people support us that we want to make this as a thank you and just give it away. We don't really want to yeah. make money off of it. So there's different motives at play when you're when you're an artist recording an album. But uh, I think for the most part, the big artists are are fine. I would say try and support the small artists and the indie artists as much as possible until they kind of like break through. Yeah. Um, and then support them past that. But I don't think pirating music is a uh, preventable, no, <laughs> or or b hurting the artists that much. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think the artists and the record labels get enough money out of everything else that they do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. If I had a button on a website like say Mumford and Sons, for example, where I could get the album and give five dollars to Mumford and Sons, the band and the group that they work with. Obviously, there's a lot of people that go into making mm-hmm. an album. Yeah. I think that it's not fair that the record companies don't get compensated at all, but if I had a button that would be like, give this money to Mumford & Sons, the band, or their manager, or whatever, and let him distribute it 
as opposed to giving the money to HMV to give to the record companies, where the where Mumford and Sons would get fifty cents or a dollar per album sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would rather go that way and give it to my, the money to them directly. Yeah. 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 By the way, I mean, based on your description of what you want to do, that sounds like a Kickstarter project waiting to happen. <laughs> by the way, well, it's like, actually like for real, like actually. Yeah. It's actually something that we've talked about, <laughs> yeah. though, right? Yeah. <laughs> we we've talked about uh, using Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Uh, yeah. So that might be happening soon. Yeah. So like people would buy your music, like yeah. for sure. I I. <laughs> Well, yeah, when Maria when Maria heard your video, she's like, "Do they have an album?" Like, no, no, I'm not even joking. With Storm, or... yeah, which one? Which one was she referring to? I don't know. One of the the one that you produced, like that you you brought your I don't know, your phone or Rob I don't know. Everything for us. Um, it was I don't know. Is one of the more recent live ones? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Sorry. okay. I wish, but and I was looking for it too, and I and I you know yeah. looked on your page, and there's nothing about an album, and I'm like, oh, that's too bad. It's tough because it costs several thousand dollars to produce it, an EP. But but, but that's the whole thing. But that's the whole thing. If if you put a Kickstarter saying we don't have an album yet, but if you're willing to contribute, you know, twenty bucks, yeah. and you get an album, and it allows you to produce it, then that's like all you need. Yeah. No, that's that's something that's happening. I think in the very near future. Um, that we're, we're as a band and as a group, um, we are considering those options and and I for me personally I think that that's a very viable option um, and that's also if we're talking about supporting smaller artists that's also a great way to do it if you're gonna if you're gonna pirate music or whatever if they have like a Kickstarter if they have like a crowdfunding project um, then that's the way that you can show your support yeah. directly oh, yeah. to the yeah. artist. It's like what you said about giving Mumford and Sons five dollars, like direct, and you know that yeah. it's going to be used yeah. for good, um, or you you assume. And well, you they're going to use it for whatever. Yeah. To keep doing what yeah. they've been doing. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a great way to do it. But thank you. For, that's that's very nice to say that you yeah. guys. And we've had yeah. questions about. Oh, you guys are you guys are really good. I don't know why you don't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's well. That's very nice. <laughs> and now I'm blushing. <laughs> I think uh, I think we can wrap it up on that note. Is there anything else you guys want to add to the music discussion, or maybe we'll save we'll we'll have maybe yeah. a follow up music episode. Oh yeah, I think we have a lot to talk about still, but yeah, yeah. Okay. I would be I would be so down to have a follow up music episode because awesome. cool. I think there's a lot. You can either come back here or you can get a laptop that works. <laughs> That second option is far more expensive <laughs> than the gas it takes me to drive you. Don't make an album, Bob. Come on. Don't make... <laughs> uh, so on that note, we'll plug Sons of Pluto. We'll put a link to the to the website so people can at least yeah. see the videos and and yeah. see the stuff you have on SoundCloud. Um, but uh, we'll look for campaign in the near future. Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be. If you frequent Kickstarter or Indiegogo, look for Sons of Pluto, uh, and we promise you that you will not be disappointed. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And thanks for having me. Yeah, this is, yeah thanks this for being on. Awesome. I could talk about music literally all day, so have me back whenever <laughs> awesome. you want to talk about music or other things. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. We eventually will have to cover uh, this music topic on SideChat as well, because yeah. there's a lot of science that goes into music. For sure. It would be interesting to cover that side. But uh, yeah, so we'll wrap it up for this week, and I guess I'll we'll talk. We'll we'll figure out what's happening next week. Yeah, something um, will happen next week for for Science Chat. So yeah. stay tuned for that. <laughs> All right, thanks for Great. listening, everybody. Yeah, see you guys. Bye. See ya.